Are you amazed when people drive their vehicles for over 250,000 miles? How often should you change your engine oil? What techniques can improve your mileage? Would an expensive fuel injection cleaning improve your engine performance? This is Car Guy with Brett Beechler of Beechler's Vehicle Care and Repair. Find out how to substantially reduce your cost per mile and extend the longevity of your vehicles. Welcome to Car Guy with Brett Beechler on PeoriaLife.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Car Guy and PeoriaLife.com. I'm Greg McCoy, your host, and my co-host is Brett Beechler. How you doing, Brett? Good morning, Greg. I'm doing fantastic. Good. Are you all recovered from your bicycle trip? Yes, I am. I'm quite recovered. So is my daughter, believe it or not. She was recovered after about two days. <laughs> so those young people recover pretty quickly. Yes, they do. All right. So, and she's raising some money for the Dream Center again. Would you mind just take one minute to tell us about that? Yes. So we decided to piggyback the bike ride and turn it into a fundraiser for the Dream Center. And because it takes about a million dollars a year to operate the Dream Center and they do things such as um, battered wives and their children come in and stay there and um, among other things and clothing and you name it, it's amazing what they do. So we kind of had the heart to do something for them, and and uh, last count was twelve seventy. But the lady who does the online count is actually on vacation this week after they did the Mission Peoria. So we'll get the final count. I'm thinking it'll be up somewhere up around fifteen hundred dollars, but not a great amount of money. But put a little drop in the bucket for them, and more importantly, I think it kind of helped inspire the other two hundred and fifty kids that were at Mission Peoria last week to go, hmm, what could we do for these guys next year? So interestingly, Pastor Andy somehow volunteered me to um, uh, head up a bike ride for whoever wanted to do it next year, a multi-day bike ride. So uh, my wife turned to me and said, did you know he was going to say that? And I said, well, I, <laughs> I didn't put it past him to not say something like that. We, he did mention something about, oh, it'd be kind of cool to do that, but um, we'll see what happens. But it was it was a fantastic time, great memories with my daughter, and, and uh, she wants to do it again. Good. That's the important part. Yeah, that's good. All right, well, today we're going to talk about a little bit of history and a little bit of uh, opportunity for the future. And interestingly enough, one of the, as we were talking before the show, uh, it's kind of interesting to to look back at the history of the history the history of filling state what we used to call filling stations. That's the old term, service stations. And uh, it used to be on every corner almost there was a little gas station with pumps out front and a couple service station service bays in back. And every place was like that. And of course, it was full service. And now things have totally changed. Now you, you pull into most places, there's no repair available. You buy your gas, go and get your potato chips. And how do we get from that early place to where we are now? Uh, it's fairly simple. Um, it's an economics model that, that has occurred. You know, way back when, when my grandpa ran the business, uh, margins on gas were pretty decent. Uh, many times you'd see a quarter per gallon of profit. Um, on the gas, uh, but nowadays it's literally hover, hovers around a nickel. Um, so what they've had to do, and then and the other side note is those are two bay service stations. Uh, the the business model anymore in the automotive automotive industries you have to have at least four, if not five, um, to make it formidable to run an automotive shop. Um, you know, we have eight now. We had we originally had two way back when we switched to five back in 1970-71. And then we added the three that we uh, added last year. That puts us up to eight. And anymore, you've got you've to run a crew of people because 
here's what happens. You know, you, you take a piece of alignment equipment um, to align a car. You know, everybody's, uh, everybody's got $59 alignments, 79 whatever the case may be. It's $30,000 to buy that piece of equipment. So you can't have a two-base shop and have a $30,000 piece of equipment that is utilized, you know, a couple times a week. You've got to be moving a lot of cars to pay for that piece of equipment. You know, a scan tool, a computer to read a vehicle, be able to talk to a vehicle's computer uh, is quite easily $3,000, $4,000 anymore. So uh, you, you can't be a small shop to justify those kind of expenses. So what happened is overall, uh, the two base shops just basically have gone away. I think there's one left in Peoria. Um, we're friends with Charlie McDonald. He's our fuel supplier, um, but his one of his last stations, the only station I think he has is a two-bay operation at uh, Knoxville in Lake, if you know where that's at, the northeast corner. Um, but, you know, he's got a couple guys working for him. I don't know what he's going to do, what his plans are when these two guys retire. I think they're pretty close to retirement. Um, but you pretty much don't see that anymore. So any Anymore, the industry is about quick lubes. You know, they call them quick oil changes. You really don't lubricate cars anymore. Um, there's not a lot of grease certs on cars, if any. Um, so that's why I always laugh that, that muscle memory name in the industry, we call them quick lubes, but we're not lubricating cars. Uh, we're changing oil and doing inspections. And, uh, so basically it's one of two things. It's either one of three things. It's quick lubes, it's independence, you know, like us and Kaltham Meyer. Kaltham Meyer I've mentioned on radio shows before is I call it the equivalent of Beechler's in the European world, um, or it's dealerships. So that's really what it boils down to. You just don't see two, two bay service stations anymore. So. So it's economics. It's pure economics. <laughs> the Basically, the convenience store is, brought, is bringing more gross profit for the operator of that facility um, than the two-bay operation brought him. So um, that's why they've shifted gears and gone to that, that whole business model. It's kind of like farming. You know, I, I grew up on a farm. Exactly. And when I grew up back in the 50s and 60s, you could, you could make a decent living with 160, maybe 320 acres. That's... <clears throat> and, you know. Some cows, some chickens, some pigs, and that's the way we were in the early days. Anymore, you got to have at least a thousand acres. That's a great point. Two thousand acres, just because the costs are so much greater. I mean, oh, yeah. how much does it cost to buy a brand new tractor? I mean, it's I don't know half a million dollars. I know it's crazy how yeah. much it costs. So I guess it's kind of the same thing. It's it's the exact same thing. That's a good analogy. Very good analogy. So, um, but one of the things in our industry we we're kind of talking about today is. You know, the technicians and, you know, I think our technicians average the tenure is 36 years. Mm. So on one hand, uh, it's a wealth of knowledge that is sitting next to me every day. Um, you know, I told one of my techs the other day, I said, you know what? I said, we kind of take you guys for granted sometimes because it's like anything. I don't care if it's a doctor, anybody, an attorney, if somebody's been doing something for so long. Muscle memory is kicked in. They get really good at what they do, and they get really efficient. And humans expect that kind of production out of everybody. And I said to him, I go, we really take you for granted, just the knowledge that you guys have in your head. So I've See, been... He said, you're right. Give me a raise. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> he said, well, I appreciate that. So I don't say that much to my guys, and I know I need to do better at that. But um, I got a great crew of guys. I really do. Um, I trust them immensely. Um, you know, I know I can give them something that's a challenge or a task on a car and they can they can get it figured out um, whether it be through investigation testing on the car whether it be through um, we've got a couple forms that we subscribe to online research basically what it is is it's technicians from around the country so say your your dodge truck has a very unique issue going on that we have not seen yet 
So we go online and tap into, and we type in these, these particular symptoms. And there might be a technician from California that experienced the same problem. He writes into the form and it's a paid form. It says, here's what I did to repair it. And we go, oh, okay, that sounds like a great idea. Um, we toss it around, decide on it, and then move move forward with it. So without that as an independent, you, you, I don't think you could survive. <clears throat> Hearing the internet, I wonder if you have the same problem that I think doctors have, where somebody gets a problem, instead of just going to the doctor, they hop on the internet. <laughs> yeah. And, they do a, and then they go into the doctor and say, I was on the internet and it said this and this and this. And they, they believe the internet before they believe the doctor. And I'm sure yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, it happens. I mean, there's no doubt it happens. But anymore, people are so busy that they they don't want to deal with doing a bunch of research on cars. They just want to hand the keys over and say, look, you guys are the professionals. Figure it out. I'm paying you to figure it out. Just like I go to the doctor and I say, here are all my symptoms. Here's what's going on. I try to give them as much information as I, as I can. Their world's a little bit more complex than our world. Um, but they're the professional. You know, I'll help guide them in terms of, oh, maybe that, that, you know, tweak this and tweak that. But cars are the exact same way. Most of our customers don't, they don't want to mess with doing the research. They got families, they got kids. They they don't have the time to sit on the internet and research this stuff for an hour or two that mm. may take one of my guys 15 minutes to find out the answer and might take them two hours. So I really look at it as what, what is their time worth um, is what it boils down to. So, so we're talking about potential job opportunities in mm -hmm. this field. Mm -hmm. And talk to us a little bit about that. First of all, what does it take to become qualified to, to work at Beachler? Sure, sure. And, and are there people doing this? Are there programs uh, set up to do this? Mm -hmm. Are there people, young people going into these programs? Uh, mm -hmm. That's, those are a bunch of great questions. So big picture, what's going on in our industry? Um, in many service industries like the HVAC industry, uh, the electrician industry, um, what's going on is we've shuttled kids over to the college land and said, you can't do anything in your life without having four years of college. Um, I think that's been done a tremendous disservice to kids that aren't necessarily college material. I mean, I, I know family members of mine that aren't college material. They love working with their hands. And for them to go out and get a, you know, an associate's degree, two years at ICC, ICC's got an automotive technology program, and then come out in the industry and make pretty decent money. Um, I mean, you're talking, you know, a guy can walk out making 30 and then good technicians. I believe good technicians should be able to make 50 to 75 a year. Um, you know, with two years investment, I always look at the investment side of this and I look at, you know, folks that send their kids to four-year school and they, they spend a hundred thousand dollars, give or take on, a, you know, a kid getting a poli-sci degree and him walking out and making $28,000 a year. And then down the road making... Lucky. Yeah, if he's lucky, and then down the road making fifty thousand dollars a year, I'm like, oh my goodness, what's the return on investment on that hundred thousand dollar investment? Mm -hmm. You know, one guy I like to listen to a lot, and you've heard it trickle into my financials of cars, is Dave Ramsey. He's really, really big on what's the return on investment of that college. Are you getting what it's worth? Um, so, backing up to the the automotive technical side of the industry, go ahead. You got a question? I, not not a question, a comment. <clears throat> one thing that speaks to I think is. We tend to think that all smart kids go to college, and the ones that don't go to college aren't very smart. Yeah, that's a great point. <clears throat> and in reality, there are different types of intelligence. Yes. All kinds of different types of intelligence. There's book learning smarts. There's math smarts. Mm -hmm. But there's also fixing car smarts. There's building houses smarts. And, and as you said, we do a great disservice to kids that have got smarts in certain areas mm -hmm. that don't happen to line up 
directly with a college education. Mm -hmm. But just because you don't go to college doesn't mean you're not smart. Yeah. It just means you got smarts in a different area. Absolutely. And I, I think that's starting to shift. Basically, you know, I've been in the industry 25 years. Um, I'm seeing I'm seeing it starting to shift. Um, I got some younger guys that are coming in the industry. Um, you, you still get that stigma attached to it. I I, I don't disagree with you, um, but I do think it's a big shift to turn around. But it it is starting to shift from what I can see from my little corner place of business. I hope it's starting to shift because we get all these people, as mm -hmm. you said, at the top of the political ladder mm -hmm. that are just broadcasting that we need to send everybody to college. Mm -hmm. And that's wrong. That's that, yeah, wrong. you're right. That is wrong. So um, back to the, I said something about the average tenure of my tech, 36 years. That is going on all over the industry. I mean, we belong to a roundtable group of uh, 89 other automotive shops from around the country. Every one of them is dealing with this. Um, we actually have a business coach that is directly addressing what we call apprenticeship programs. And I'll talk about that a little bit later, but I think that's going to be very critical in our industry to be able to get these young adults into these businesses and these reputable shops, develop an apprenticeship program that typically lasts about two years. They're under the wings of one or two very good technicians at that facility. And then they're, they're off and running and then they're on their own. So, uh, we, we are actually starting that. I'll kind of jump ahead a little bit, but we're actually starting that this fall. I have a young gentleman by the name of Armando. I uh, went through the ICC Automotive Technology Program. One of the nicest guys you could ever meet. Uh, gentle, sincere guy. And he is really interested in learning more and more and more about cars. You know, school teaches you something. It's just like anything. But when you get in the real world and you start turning wrenches and diagnosing vehicles and, you know, getting involved with the computers of vehicles, then the learning curve goes straight up. It's a typical statistical bell curve that, He'll, he'll hit it here in a few weeks and start going straight up and his knowledge will start increasing quite a bit. So, um, so, you know, one of the things, tremendous opportunity for those desiring a good income, pay will, pay will be better due to lower supply. And I always say that the supply is dwindling. That can only be good for the guy who's making the money. Um, it's a simple economics deal. So, um, you know, one thing you want to look at is as a, as a technician, you want to look at the environment you're going into, um, is it drug free? You know, and we do random testing. I'm sure all the reputable shops around here do random testing. Um, and I want that, I want that clean aspect from, from our standpoint, also from the most importantly, the customer standpoint. So, so we're pretty tight about that. As a matter of fact, I've been drug tested. We do a random drug, drug test. I've been drug tested, I don't know, two or three times. I sit there, my dad and I are in business together and I sit there and I go, why am I getting tested? He goes, Hey, it is what it is. Go get tested. Okay. Um, so, um, the vehicles, I must say, are becoming more and more technical. You and I have talked about that on previous shows, Greg. And it, it, it's not water pump mechanics anymore. Um, you know, it used to be back in the two-bay service station days, uh, most guys can get in there and change water pumps. I mean, I think every one of us in the, in the room can do basic mechanical stuff like that. Um, but the cars are becoming so complex. And part of the reason is they've become smaller and smaller and smaller to meet cafe standards. So what happens when they make vehicles smaller, you know, back in the olden days, we could crawl inside of an engine compartment. A couple of guys could and close the hood. Take a nap. Yeah. And take a nap. That's how much room was in there. There is no such thing as that anymore in cars. And, and rightfully so, because we're, we're looking for cars that get better gas mileage. In order for them to do that, smaller engines, lighter vehicles, period. That's the only way to do it. Um, well, I should say better fuel management within the fuel system technology. Uh, but they're, they're, 
three critical factors that are involved in that. So, and then of course, there's emission standards. Emission standards, yeah, of course. Um, but I will do a side note on that. You know, the the smart car gets 80 miles a gallon in Europe. It comes over to us. We slap on all of our safety and emission stuff, and it gets 40 miles a gallon. Is that right? Yeah. Huh. So do the math. You kind of shoot yourself in the foot, and you're better off going out and buying a Toyota Corolla or something like that that gets 35 40 miles a gallon instead of buying a big money smart car. So um, I don't know if I can drive one of those either. Those two seaters. Mm. I don't think I could do that. So um, anyway, ASC master text, that's the ultimate accreditation. You asked a question before about what does it take to get in the industry? So by and far you can go and graduate high school and get into the automotive industry. If you want it, that's one way of doing it. A lot of hands-on knowledge is a little bit harder, harder to accumulate. Um, going that route, but most guys anymore are going to a, a two-year college and getting two years of education in the classroom. Um, after that, you've heard me mention ASE, um, Automotive Service Excellence, and that is the accreditation in our industry that basically you can go through, I think there's 12 or 14 categories and get certified in electrical, brakes, transmission, uh computer diagnostics, you name it, it's all over the board. Now, are those just testing programs or are they educational and testing programs? Well, they're both. They're, they're educational. There's, there are programs that you can learn from them online, of course. Um, but for the most part, it's an accreditation organization. It's a nonprofit accreditation organization that so basically... Primarily testing. Primarily testing. And basically, it sets that technician apart from others. And what shops look for from our standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, is I want all ASC certified technicians because I can go to the I can go to the public and say all my techs are ASC certified. So that gives people a peace of mind. Is that mandatory? Absolutely not. You can have a shop with no ASC techs, and I I would imagine there are good technicians out there that are not accredited, that are very good quality technicians that have learned through the years, hands on books, online training, you name it, and not accredited. But for the most part, it's it's a it's a pride thing for an, a technician to have what they call an ASC master certifications, which is where you're accredited in six or more of these certain categories of a car. I believe the number six, it could be eight. Um, but that is the kind of the creme de la creme in the, in the automotive industry is when you get a master certification. It's kind of like a CPA for accounting. Mm-hmm. Similar thing. Very similar thing. Very similar. You can do the job, but uh, you don't have to have the accreditation, but it's it's a notch in the belt, and it separates you from the rest of the crowd. It's documentation mm-hmm. of what you know. Exactly. So if somebody's coming into my door and wanting to apply as a, a technician, I've got a guy in my heap right now that is applied, and he seems like a nice guy, good technician, maybe, but he's not ASC certified. He look, kind of looked at me, and I said, you ASC certified? certified? He said, no. I said, Man, you know, I, I, I got to have that in order for you to be employed as a, as a, a technician here. So uh, we may, may work through some different angles, and that's one of the ways that we do it is with this new center. The nice thing about the Vehicle Maintenance Center is they're light-duty technicians. They do not have to be ASC, ASC certified in order to work for us. The center, what do you mean the center? Yeah, the new three bays <clears throat> that we added on. Mm-hmm. So that's where they change oil, doing, you know, uh, inspections on vehicles. They do tire work there, mounting, balancing, all that. Um, they do, you know, light replacement, things of that nature. Um, 
lights on the car, exterior light replacements, very light duty things. Um, and a couple of these guys are in queue to be able to become technicians someday. So that's kind of a pseudo training grounds for learning our systems, the computers, how we do things, procedural things. We're kind of anal when it comes to how cars move about throughout the system because we don't like wasted time. Um, but they, they start learning the ropes of Beechlers, if that makes any sense. Um, but the, the, the rest of the crew there is they're, they're content doing what they're doing. I got a fantastic crew over there and there's some guys and it's really a nice gig because what I'm, we've gotten into is these guys are working four 10 hour days. So they get three days off and typically about once every three or four weeks, these guys are getting a four day weekend, um, which is kind of nice. So it makes the job a little more lucrative for guys to come in. So ideally we want people 18 years or older in that position, but I have had a 17 year old. I'm in that position who is in a co-op program and he's still with us as a matter of fact, and he'll be with us probably through ICC starts that in a couple of weeks over at ICC. And then he'll probably be with us for a couple of years and then maybe move on. But, um, that's typically what we see And part-timers work 20 to 30 hours a week. Uh, full-timers obviously 40 hours a week. So that's, that's another opportunity at Beachler. So basically if anybody's out there listening and they've got kids or grandkids that are interested in hands-on type stuff, um, uh, it's a great place for them. I've had some really good young kids come through our facility and, and they move on. You know, I had a kid I ran into at church a few weeks ago and uh, he's some kind of blood doctor. And he specifically wanted to come back and thank my dad for the, all the things, the life lessons that he taught him. Um, and I thought, man, you really need to do that. You need to come in. Because my, my dad has a, takes a lot of pride in people that come into our business they teach, they learn some things about life and they move on. And then they come back 20 years later and say, Hey, here's where I'm at. And you're part of the, yeah. you're part of the puzzle that put all this together. So that's cool. Um, it is really neat. But at the same time, we got a lot of guys that hung, hang around for a long time too. So as you can tell from our tenure. So anyway, so that's, that's kind of what we're looking for um, in, uh, a, in a nutshell. Are there high school programs out there that are doing any good? Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I just, um, I've been in contact with a gentleman in the mayor's office here in Peoria and, and they have an apprenticeship, not an apprenticeship program, but they're having like a co-op type program that they're starting up in district 150. Um, I think he said there's uh, Richwoods and they're working on Peoria high and there was something else that they're working on because I, you know, I, I explained to him, it's going to be a big deficiency in our industry. And, you know, the fact that a bunch of public schools around the country have gotten rid of the automotive program is part of the problem. Um, and I know, I understand they're costly, um, but at the same time, it's, it's a, it's a very good investment for these guys to go in there and get some hands-on stuff. Cause quite frankly, I think there's a generation coming out that can't work with their hands. And I don't mean that mean, I don't mean, mean it derogatory toward that younger generations. It's they're, they're part of the culture. That's, that's their product in their environment. But it's not good long term, I think, because you got to be able to do things around your own home and be able to, you know, do some certain certain things. And um, I think overall, it's healthy for your mental health too to be able to do some hands on things. I mean, you grew up on a farm. I'm sure you can, I'm sure you can do a couple things too. So, um, but that's that's the state of our industry. That's where we're going. If anybody is has anyone that's interested at all, please have them come out and um, you know come to the new center. They can go to both buildings and get an application. And they can come on in. I like I like to meet people when they come in and do their applications. Um, that's just a common business practice out there, you know. Um, so, so I think one of the one of the messages you want to send out to people is, college is great for those that for whom it's appropriate, mm -hmm. 
but it's not appropriate for everybody. It is not. There are job opportunities such as this out there, automotive, electrical, plumbing, mm-hmm. a lot of different things, construction industry of various types, a lot of different things where you don't need a college education. Yes. You can get there and get a good job by doing other things. Mm-hmm. Still takes some kind of education, some kind of experience to get there, but you know, it's, it's available if you want to work for it. Absolutely. And I, ideally, I think you want to find a career, first and foremost, that you can sustain a family. Um, you know, I, I, we've had discussions around our house about minimum wage and, you know, philosophical aspect of it, but minimum wage was not designed to sustain families. It was designed to be a, a, a stepping stone for people to move up. And we don't ever want to be in that realm of having to worry about people on minimum wage because none of our guys are there because they're making decent money um, because they're doing well at serving, servicing cars and taking care of people. So, um, so yeah, you, you want a, you want a, a program, uh, something that you go into a career that you can sustain a family. And I believe a good automotive technician can sustain a family. I believe a good electrician can sustain a family. Uh, same thing in the HVAC industry. I think they can sustain a family. I have no, I know family <laughs> members that have gone through that. So, and in reality, many of those people are making significantly more mm-hmm. than kids that have gone to college, getting a, a degree in basket weaving or psychology yep. or whatever, <laughs> and get out and end up making minimum wage someplace. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. they've spent a hundred thousand dollars to get there. So, yes. you know, we don't want to necessarily be negative on college education because that's great mm-hmm. for whom it applies. But it, we want to fight the the, the argument. This the the current yes. that's out there, the political current that yes. says every young person has to go to college mm-hmm. or you'll end up flipping hamburger. Mm-hmm. And and that's wrong. Mm-hmm. So yeah. in one one final point before we wrap up, um, I always talk about reputable shops. We're not the only one. I, I know that there are some great shops out there in the Peoria area and the whole country for that matter. But one of the lines we always use is when we talk about pricing, we want to make it fair to the customer the technician and the business. I never want my technician to walk away because all in all, I think my technicians are also a set of my customers. Um, Whether we want to think it or not, if we don't take care of our employees, they don't take care of all the other people that are funding our paychecks. That's, That's really what it boils down to. And my technicians know that, you know, if they get into an oddball evaluation procedure, they know I'm, I'm there to protect their time and also make it a fair presentation for the customer that, hey, here's what it took between his professional knowledge, all the years of wisdom inside of his head, his research on the you know paid forum, all the stuff. This is a, the fair price. No, you don't walk into a doctor's office and say, hey, can you tell me what's wrong with me? And he go, eh, okay, no charge. Here's what's wrong with you. It just doesn't happen. And the same thing goes on in our industry where guys need to charge accordingly for their brains and their wisdom that is inside their head. So, and they have to support a family. And they got to support a family too. Um, you know, I've had guys, you know, I, uh, Dale is one of my techs at the, at the business and he's been there for 40 years. And this guy is, it is like watching poetry in motion, watching this guy work, you know, and he'll, he'll come like, eh, you know, you don't need, you only need to charge this much. And I said, Dale, I couldn't do that with a 10 foot pole. I couldn't do that if I had 10 years experience. I said, you make that look so easy. You need to charge accordingly, and I don't mean to sound like we're we're not doing anything wrong. It's just this guy is very skilled at what he's what he does, and uh, he needs to be paid accordingly for all the years of his skill. So that's where I say guys like that, technicians like that, should be making fifty, sixty plus seventy a year. There's no doubt about it. So, um, but with with all that said, you know, if anybody listening out there knows of anybody that's interested, 
um, have them come see me. Um, they can find me on Facebook. They can find, find us on beachlers.com and, uh, contact me in that way. But, uh, but there's some, there's some opportunity out there and I'm not saying there's going to be people knocking on our door left and right. But, you know, if you know of somebody that's interested, young kid, 17, 18, and wants to get into the, the business world of auto, the automotive business world, have them come see me. Just out of curiosity. Yes. Um, do you have anybody, any technicians that speak Spanish or other languages? Because obviously that's becoming an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be great to have somebody on your staff, I would think, that speaks Spanish. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, Armando, the, the gentleman who's jumping into the apprenticeship program here in about three weeks, uh, speaks Spanish. Um, his whole family does. His wife, sweetheart, uh, she speaks Spanish. And um, another guy, Jose, who's one of my advisors, is very, it's funny, you know, we'll get a, a Hispanic-speaking customer that comes in, and I'm sitting there going, Huh? <laughs> And they're just, you know, his, the Spanish-speaking people sound like they're talking 100 miles an hour, but um, it's always entertaining for me to try to listen to that. So, but yeah, we do. We've got two guys on staff. We had three, uh, but he moved on. He was an ICC student that was going to be a physical therapist assistant. So, anyway. All right. Okay, well, to summarize then, takeaways. Uh, there are opportunities out there for young people. Mm-hmm. Well, for anybody, but particularly for young people mm-hmm. that want to get into Good paying careers, and they don't have to go to college. Don't have to go to the four year college. Don't have to go to four yes. year university mm-hmm. to get a good paying job. Correct. That will that will support them. Correct. And give them a good career. Yes, so. absolutely right. All right. Well, thanks again, Brett. Uh, we've spent a half hour talking about cars again. Mm-hmm. So thanks everybody out there for joining us on the Car Guy on PeoriaLife.com, and we'll see you next time. PeoriaLife.com. <laughs>